What's up, everybody? Welcome back to Hey, What You Watching? The weekly podcast where Marcelo Pico and I discuss the films we've been watching. This is episode 77, Podcast the Professional. And I'm your host, Matt Curione. And with me, as usual, is... Hey, it's your co-host, Marcelo Pico. How you doing, Matt? Trying to be professional. <laughs> Trying to be professional? What? Trying. So you've waited... I feel like... I feel like the title is just wishful thinking this week. Oh, I see. So I, I usually just like uh, laugh off the titles and then move on with my day, but uh, I, I forget them right away. Uh, yeah. sorry, sorry, Matt. It's just I do want to real quick. I want to say thank you for using the song choice for last e- for the last episode. Oh, for episode seventy six. Yeah, and for letting it play long enough to get that uh, cool vocal harmony going. Yeah, yeah. Uh, thank you. When you. Because you messaged me last week saying, use this yes. song. And when I first saw the title, I'm like, what song is that? And then when I played it, of course, I know exactly what that song is. You're like, oh, holy shit. <laughs> this it's, one. Yeah. It's, uh, I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm a kid of the 90s. And, of, yeah. And yeah, of, of course, I, I think I remember playing the I Know We Did Last Summer soundtrack. Yeah. It's the, uh, the cover of the Deep Purple song. Yeah. Pretty, pretty good stuff. But hey, if you haven't listened to episode 76 of Hey What You're Watching, go listen to that. I mean, uh, hopefully by the time this episode comes out, you're done listening to the episode of 76. <laughs> I don't know. People might, people will jump in, you know, during any, you know, they'll jump in on, to, on 77, not having listened to the past 76 of them. You know, they, you know, I, I'm just suggesting if you may have skipped 76 for, for some reason, uh, mainly because it was like two hours and 12 minutes and yeah. it's just Matt and I just BSing for the yeah, entire runtime. It's what we do. <laughs> Go back and give it a shot, okay? Yes. Yeah, it's pretty good. Uh, but anyway, hey, speaking of BS, um, this is the part of the show where we just BS for a bit. Uh, speaking of which, yeah, um, we might have talked about the, talked about this on the drunken episode, Hey Cast After Dark. Do you that, remember you know, some, any of that? By the way, I remember nothing. <laughs> I remember. I was. I was thinking about it today. I was like, you know, I don't remember anything. Like, right. I had to look back at my notes to see what movies I discussed. Like, I had no idea. Real quick, uh, but hey. Do you want to uh, give a, a background on what that what that is, or do you want to go into? Yes, that's a Haycast After Dark is a Patreon exclusive uh, for now, uh, where Marcel and I get really drunk, and uh, I mean, I drank I drank about five beers. I finished off a bottle of Jägermeister. Jesus, I remember nothing. Uh, a bottle? How much? No, I, I don't even want to know. I don't but, know. It was a lot. I don't remember. <laughs> I only had six beers of Dos Equis, and those are light beers, so uh, well, I was I was uh, fine. I remember you. everything. Good for you. I remember I nothing. Remember, I remember everything. Uh, that's right, the end of the Bourne movies. Um, anyway, but I want to yeah. know that. Uh, did we talk about the Criterion sale? We talked about the Criterion Cell on actually on episode seventy six. Oh, okay. So you already picked your things up. Okay. Yeah, uh, we we talked about uh, how I picked up. Um, what did I pick up? In Cold Blood and Ghost World. Sight and Ghost World. Yes, yes. I talked about. Yeah, that was last episode. Last uh, Haycast Prime episode seventy six. Yes. But hey, hey, you know what? Uh, you, Matt, I know from just looking at your. Uh, I think you tweeted it out. Maybe I know you posted it yet, in our no. Slack. Oh, you're yeah. saving you saving that that tweet out for later. But, yes, I uh, am. Uh, I you fi- picked up I something. Enough, yeah, I had enough money for one, so I went and. Uh, you know, it's really awesome that John Waters is in the Criterion Collection. It's yeah. it really is a wonderful time to be alive. So I picked up his 1970 film, uh, Multiple Maniacs, uh, which I've never seen. But it's supposed to be really gross and really fun, and it has divine. So I know I'll love it. 
that's uh, that, that's one that's been on my list. Um, I might buy that later on. I, yeah, I'll be doing a I'll be doing a double feature with this and Pink Flamingos. I think that's going to be a a pretty gross night. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I think we've talked about this on a, on the past episode. I have not seen too many John Waters movies. I need to correct that. Um, you haven't seen Pink Flamingos, though, right? I don't think I've seen Pink, Pink Flamingos. Oh, well, you'd remember if you saw it. <laughs> no, I, for for some reason, I remember seeing John Waters movies like when I was like in middle school, but I don't remember which ones I've seen. It's weird. Anyway, I need to go back and just do like a John Waters marathon. He's pretty good. He's <laughs> It's an understatement. He's pretty good. I'm going to pick up Rumblefish, I think, later this week. And then uh, next week, I think I mentioned this on the past episode, uh, I'm going to pick up the Albert Brooks comedy uh, Lost in America. That's what it's called, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so those are my last... I'll be getting that one. As, that's the other one I'm going to be getting. I'm, gonna, I'm only doing two this sale. Yeah, I'm going to do four in total, which is... It's fine. Uh, I'll I'll just not eat for like three days, and I'll be fine. Yeah, it's fine, right? <laughs> anyway, speaking of uh, eating, nope, there's no transition there. No, um, there isn't. No. Uh, I should say we're, we're recording on a Thursday afternoon. We usually record... Weird, right? Wednesday nights. Yeah, it's weird. We've had like a weird last few recording sessions. We've been talking to each other a lot more often. Maybe too much. Um, oh, I'm fine with this. I like this. This is yes, fun. In the past week, we recorded the Haycast After Dark episode. Again, if if you want to hear that, just for for over two hours, me and Matt stumbling through our words, talking about the movies we've seen, um, entirely drunk, then go to Patreon. And I think it's under the $3 tier, so get that. Uh, and also, in those tiers, you'll see a Talk From Society commentary series. Matt and I just yes. recorded. Yeah, we recorded a commentary. I, I think we can say it now for Harry Potter and the Prisoner of Azkaban. Yes, I had a lot of fun doing that. Yeah, that went ver- that went very well. I can't wait to put that together and put that out. But yes, it uh, is so much a Patreon exclusive that we will not be discussing that movie on this episode. Yes, if you want to hear uh, Matt's thoughts on that movie, you have to listen to that commentary. It's you. You did an amazing job because I am not a <laughs> I'm not a Harry Potter guy. Not, I am <laughs> not in the slightest. So yeah, you you pretty much carried it. And then halfway through, we, we just went on a tangent and just talked about nonsense, as we're one to do. But but hey, it's a good commentary. That, we that, always came back around <laughs> to the adventures of a young wizard boy. Then I go, hey, there's Harry Potter on the screen. Let's discuss something yes. Harry Potter related. <laughs> oh wait, we got to talk about this this nerd. Yeah. Okay, cool. <laughs> Uh, but yeah, so there you go. Patreon exclusives. Go to patreon.com slash talkfilmsociety to look at what we have there. Not just podcasts, but also uh, exclusive articles and uh, entry into our Slack, which is which is something to behold. A lot of fun. <laughs> A lot of fun. So yes, go to Patreon. Sorry the plugs are at the beginning. Uh, I'll mention it again at the end anyway, so... Whatever. It's I'm proud of it. I I want more people to to support the site because I love everybody on the site. So even the dog loves the site. So the dog back there. Yeah, he loves it. <laughs> anyway, enough of that. Let's get to this podcast episode, Matt. Yes. What are the movies we're going to be discussing? Well, hmm. Huh. This week, this week on Matt's Riddle Corner, uh, you know the place where I give cryptic clues about what we'll be discussing. First, we're going to talk about an illness that is large. Right? <laughs> yeah, okay. Yeah, okay. And then we're going to have some birthday cakes. 
And then we're going to hang out in a warehouse and uh, shoot the hell out of each other and uh, curse each other out. And then we're going to get in a car and go to camp. <laughs> and then we're going to elevate our brains to our highest level of functionality. And then, then we're going to try to get rid of a bomb in Gotham City. And then we're going to hang out with that with Cropsy, the lovable old uh, camp guy. He's a <laughs> he's not a counselor. What does he do? He's a janitor, kind of, right? And then we're going to hang out with a little plant on a windowsill with a stuffed pig. Again, I apologize to our listeners. <laughs> it's just... It's, I don't I'm even so know. I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry. It, it's a bit we've done since, what, the beginning of this show, where we just... Where you, Pretty much. It's not me. I'm not, I'm not going to take the blame for this. I get to put on my Riddler outfit and play a little <laughs> game for it. If, if you can even call those riddles. But anyway... <laughs> Enough of that. Let's let's stop talking about movies for a second and, and introduce our guest this week. Yes. Matt. Yeah. Who's okay? Who who is it, Matt? It's it, it's time for the guest reveal segment of the show. Yes, much anticipated. I've uh, been looking forward to this for a while. Today we have a special guest, Anya Novak. How are you? Hello. Nice to be here. Thank you for having me. Nice to have you on. Uh, I mean, I've been following you on Twitter for a while now. I'm a big fan. So I, I, I'm happy that you're on this uh, this episode of Hey, What You're Watching. Thank you. I'm very happy to be here. I, I can't wait to, to pick your brain on some of these movies. But before we do that, uh-huh. <laughs> but before we do that, hey, you know, let's let's get to know the guests even more. Yes. Yeah, Matt. That, it's that other little segment that I like to call Get to Know You, where we get to know our guests and make sure they're a real human being and not some robot. <laughs> I'm not a robot, I promise. Okay, I hope so. That's what robots would say. (laughs) That's what they all say. Uh, All right, starting off, I ask every guest this. uh, What's the first movie you remember seeing in a theater? Okay, okay, I was ready for this one. All right, so when I was a kid, the earliest memory I actually have is going to see Beauty and the Beast in the theater. uh, Disney's Beauty and the Beast. Yeah, yeah, the animated one. I totally remember uh, sitting in this. There was a little booster seat. I don't know if they still do it. Oh, they do, yeah, yeah. Yeah, they put out booster seats on the on the, the theater seats, and I was sitting with my mom, and uh, I remember that scene, the opening shot of the beautiful castle and this lovely harp music playing, and um, I remember smelling popcorn and feeling uh, the crunch under my feet when I got down to go to the bathroom because someone had spilled uh, popcorn on the floor. So yes, that is my <laughs> earliest memory, is going to see Beauty and the Beast in the theater. Nice. I had to be, what, four? Three or four? Yeah, that's yeah. that's a nice memory. Um, <laughs> it is. I I and, oh, go ahead. Well, it, it's a good memory to have, and I've I've heard some of your other guests, you know, talking about some of their uh, first movies, and they're not too proud of some of their choices <laughs> or, or their parents' choices uh, in yeah. taking them to the theater. So, I'm really happy that I have a classic Disney movie from yeah. its golden age too. Uh, yeah, I mean, I've said this on the show before, but uh, my parents tell me the first movie I saw in a theater was The Fox and the Hound. Oh. Which, until recently, I didn't realize Kurt Russell was in. But, hey, that's cool. Uh, <laughs> and I think the first one I remember seeing is probably the summer of 89. It was probably like, you know, Batman and Ghostbusters 2 and Indiana Jones and Last Crusade. Good year. Good year for movies. Pretty good summer. Uh, pretty fun yeah. summer. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, my my parents. I don't think I've ever talked about this on the show. My parents never took me to see movies, so I had to go on my own. So that's why it wasn't until like '97 where I I was like, oh, I'm going to go watch 
Star Wars, the special that's edition. You were a, yeah. That's because you were a loud kid, Marcelo, and, you know, they didn't want to be embarrassed. <laughs> <laughs> I guess. I don't know. Because my, my parents are not uh, movie-going people, so I, just, oh, okay. I, I had to do it, all that on my own. So, But, you know, but then after that, I took them to go see, like... We went to go see the Lost World Jurassic Park, and then uh, I dragged. I, this is a distinct memory I have. I I dragged I dragged them to see the Mummy sequel, which is one of the worst experiences of my life. <laughs> <laughs> that bad, really? I I, I apologize to them after that. Uh, yeah, it was pretty bad. I remember it being oh, really yeah. bad. But anyway, okay. This leads uh, actually. Your mentioning of the Lost World leads to my second question. Uh, Anya, what is the first movie you remember ever getting on DVD? Oh, this one's easy, too. Okay, well, bought for myself? Uh, Yeah. (laughs) Well, because when... um, I say that because when I was a kid, uh, our family had bought our first DVD player. You know how the the whole family has one DVD player in the 90s? And um, at the time, they were running a promotion where if you bought this this certain DVD player, you could pick two free DVDs from this little kiosk of pre-chosen uh, movies. And the movies that we had taken a vote and chosen were Twister and Air Force One. Oh my god, awesome. I love Air Force One. <laughs> right. So I was a 10-year-old kid watching watching Air Force One for the first time. And so that's that's one of my favorite action movies. And I know it's not really, it doesn't really hold up compared to a lot of the classics, but Personally. Hey, he's a, he's a pretty good cinematic president. That's the president I want. Exactly. <laughs> and so, yeah, that was... Punching people was, in the face, kicking Gary Oldman off his plane. Yes, please. That was our first uh, DVD. When I was an adult in the Army, the first DVD I bought was a box set of um, Hammer Horror movies. Oh, awesome. It, yeah, it was super cheap. It was in Germany, and there wasn't a big selection at the time of movies in English. And so... Um, yeah, there was a bunch of Hammer Horror movies, and I I went into it not knowing what Hammer Horror was at the time. Yeah, that's badass. <laughs> right, and I ended up loving it. So there we go. Hammer Marcella. Horror, Air Force One, and Twister. Ooh, yeah, awesome. that's awesome. I, yeah. And I love Twister too. I love it too. Ain't nothing wrong with that movie. No, it's a good time. <laughs> I don't know why people bash it so much. It's because they're mean. They're, they're soulless, very mean people. Yes, yeah, it soulless. has a it has a great cast. Uh, Michael Crichton was like he wrote the screenplay. It's a good time. It's a good time. Uh, it's got Philip Seymour Hoffman in it. What, what yeah, more? No. Ah, <laughs> slaughter your own cows, Meg. Nice. Right. And it was like the the best teaser of its era. I remember that. Yes. Being riveted by that teaser each time. Oh I saw yeah, it. I remember that. Yeah. yeah. And plus, uh, it has flying cows. Come on. What's, what's... <laughs> Uh, At the time, that was a cute gag. That was very cute. Yes. It also has my favorite rating for a movie ever. Uh, if you look at the back of the DVD or Blu-ray, it'll say, Rated PG-13 for intense depiction of very bad weather. <laughs> <laughs> Marcella, what's the first DVD you ever got? Uh, it was, if I remember correctly, I think it was Jurassic Park. So it's it's a, it's a easy easy answer because, I mean... At that point, I remember saving up to buy a DVD player, and first I rented some DVDs. I rented like The Matrix and Gladiator, but then the first one that I really remember saving up for and saying, "Hey, this one is special," is Jurassic Park. So, you know, I hate, I hate to be a shitty internet kid, but same. <laughs> yeah, 
Yeah, I mean, it's easy because like it, it seems like it's like uh, an answer, much like what was the first theater? What was the first movie saw in a theater? Most of the answers we've gotten in the past episodes, yeah. Matt, have been Jurassic Park. Yeah, yeah. So um, it, you know, the first DVD Jurassic Park. Yeah, it's it's it's. Uh, I, I imagine a lot of people who have DVDs who got into that, you know, DVD it had that cool menu with yeah, like yeah. the the vibrating puddle. Yeah, yo, that was awesome. So. But yeah, um, when I was a kid, uh, for my birthday one year, uh, DVD players had just come out, and my dad's like, hey, we're going to get you a DVD player for your birthday. So we went to Nobody Beats the Wiz, if anyone remembers that store. It was basically like Best Buy of its time. So we went there, we got the DVD player, and I was able to pick two movies, and I chose Jurassic Park and Batman. Ooh, Good Bat- choices, yeah. The 1989 then- Batman. Yep, and then yeah. I had gotten some birthday money from my grandmother, so that weekend I went back and got The Lost World, Jurassic Park, and Batman Returns. Oh, wow. See, I, It was I, a good week. Yeah. <laughs> good I think, birthday. I think the first two I got was Jurassic Park and then The Lost World. Um, oh, I, don't, nice. I don't know why I didn't own Batman. The, I needed Batman. DVD. I don't know. <laughs> Did they re-release that later on? Because I remember buying that like four-pack. <laughs> Uh, yeah, they released it as like a two disc a uh, few years later. Yeah, anyway. that might have been the first time I double dipped. <laughs> oh, awesome! Uh, All right, well, I think we've gotten to know you. Yes, we've gotten to know Anya. Yeah, good. You don't you don't suspect me of being a robot anymore? Nah, uh, you're, you're a human. Uh, I don't know. We'll, we'll see. <laughs> Uh, we'll see. But no, for now, you've cleared these tests. You've passed yes. the Turing tests. But uh, I, th- I think we're on to the next. F- <laughs> we're, on, we're on to the next phase of this. Uh, the next All phase right. is where we actually talk about the movies we've seen recently. Yeah, the yeah. sandwich bits. Sa- yeah, that's right. Yeah, yeah, the middle of the sandwich where we get to talk about, you know, the meats and the cheeses. Uh. <laughs> meats and the cheeses. <laughs> <laughs> so, Marcelo, you saw a movie that I, I don't think is... that. Yeah, I don't think it's playing near me, but maybe Why? it is. You should. Uh, I mean... I don't live in a good area for movies that are good. Oh... Uh. I mean, you see? it should. I, I think it's. I think it's continually expanding across the nation, which is a good thing. People really like it. Uh, it's it's gotten high critical praise. I saw it last weekend, you know, and I was like, okay, how good? How, how good can this be? How? Uh, <laughs> it's like I've heard how all the praise. How good could this really be? <laughs> I, I, what, what is this? What's the deal with this movie? Yes, it was The Big Sick, directed by Michael Showalter, starring Kumail Nanjiani and co-written by Nanjiani and uh, his wife, Emily Gordon. It, uh, yeah, it uh, met my, it, it met those expectations. It's, uh, it's one of the best movies of the year. Um, nice. It, uh, it's, it's firmly in my top five right now. And yeah, uh, I was a mess after seeing it, uh, as I thought I oh, would geez. be. <laughs> I figured... You know, if anything, if it's like if it's an excellent movie or if it's just, you know, right in the middle, I know it's gonna it's gonna pull on my heartstrings. And it certainly did that. And on top of that, it was exceptionally well done. Uh yeah, it's it's hilarious. I'll say that first off. It's 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 part comedy and the comedy in it works exceptionally well. Um and yeah, it's also part drama. It's one of those what they call what I like to call a dramedy. That any, is a word. I don't know if anybody's used that before, but, but a yes, few. I've heard it here and there. Because if you don't know the story, it's 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 kind of 
you don't see this happen too often where Komel Nanjiani plays a character in the movie called Komel Nanjiani. Right? He plays, oh, interesting. He plays himself. Yes. And yeah, it it's based on like his uh, true life events, like him meeting his wife Emily, uh, you know, them dating, and then she goes into a a coma, um, like after they break up. It it was it's a medically induced coma, and he's there by her side, uh, you know, right, you know, through through this oh, thing, and and of course she wakes up, and it's it's a happy ending. They're together now, but. That whole experience is just brought to the screen in in this movie, and it's it yeah it, it, it's something else. It's exceptional. There's great performances all around. Kamal Nanjiani is I mean he's playing himself, but even so, he delivers like a, a flat out great performance in it. Yeah, I hear he's like really good in this. He's really good, um, and I've always liked him like in anything he's been in. But yeah, this seems like uh, it's the role of a lifetime playing oh, himself. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and yeah, uh, Ray Romano, uh, Holly Hunter, they're they're exceptional as um, Emily's parents in this. Uh, I mean, oh boy, like yeah, he has to hang around with them like in the hospital, <laughs> and of course, like there's there's awkward moments, yeah. and of course there's like touching moments, and I think like uh, the, the 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 three actors involved, you know, Kamal Nanjiani, Holly Hunter, Ray Romano, they all hit those notes perfectly well. So because like those are like crucial in the movie, it's like. What I think the the entire movie is based on is those moments, um, and of course, like his relationship with Emmy, uh, Emily, like at the beginning of the end. Uh, but yeah, it's uh, it was something. It hit me close to home personally. Just yeah. just just uh, knowing about how how vital relationships are and how important it is to, like to stay with the people you love, like that really spoke to me. So yeah, it's. It's what everybody's been saying. It's one hell of a movie, one of the best of the year. And again, it's it's there's a lot of like um, emotional weight to it. But then it's also funny. It has. I don't want to ruin it to uh, for you guys. Please I, don't. Because uh, I just found out it is playing near me. <laughs> yeah, uh, go watch it. There's a joke in there that's one of the best jokes I've maybe ever heard <laughs> in a movie. Which I, is, I know what you're talking about. Yeah, which is saying something. Like when it happened, like like I was expecting it because I've heard I heard what it was. I didn't I didn't hear the joke, yeah. but I just heard it was in it. And when it happened, I go, "Oh, that's the joke." And then everybody around me was like, <laughs> they were looking at each other, like, "Can you believe what, what just happened?" So yeah, it's, I, I'm looking it's forward to this. Else. I love uh, I like the director. I know he didn't write this, but I'm a fan of his writing in the past, and I'm pretty sure he'd be a pretty good director. Uh, Michael Showalter, oh, always yeah. been a fan of his, so I'm really looking forward to this just to see him do something else that's great yeah it um i'm gonna look through his filmography because like he's part of that group uh stella right yeah uh he hasn't directed much he did a film in 2005 called baxter uh he did that sally field sally field movie uh two years ago called my name is doris which was delightful oh you saw that yeah that was really good Uh, i heard it was good yeah, and which that's also that's streaming on Prime right now. If anyone wants to check that out, but uh, yeah, looking forward to the big sick. It's really good. I did see the Baxter. The Baxter is, is pretty damn good. Um, of course, like uh, his Stella partner David Wayne is like doing his own you know directorial efforts, but uh, it's it's pretty cool that like I, I'm a huge fan of Stella, that little uh, uh, comedy group with like David Wayne, Michael Showalter. And uh, Michael Ian Black, so it's those three that, weirdos. <laughs> so it's great that they've you know they've you know kind of grown up and like gone on to like do these other things. So yeah, I'm happy about it. So 
that was my take on the big sick. Uh, Anya, have you seen this movie yet? I have not. Actually, I was going to try and go see this movie with no, uh, uh, without seeing the trailer, without knowing anything about it, but that was ruined in the past five minutes. So, I'm Sorry. just going to go into it. <laughs> I'm going to go into it knowing what I know now. Um, but I've heard nothing but praise for the movie. And so, um, normally I'm not really into uh, uh, drama lately just because it's not really my niche. And lately I've been, what's been paying the paychecks is horror. So that's what I've been focusing on for the past year. And so I've been kind of avoiding a lot of the, the Oscar worthy films. But this one I think I'm going to try and make it out to see. Well, we apologize for ruining <laughs> this. Well, I mean, you didn't spoil it, but. No, no, you know, no. Yeah. no. That was all. Yeah. It's not a crime. Uh, although it should be for for some spoilers, but uh, <laughs> but I, I will say um, I know one case where somebody went into it not knowing entirely what it was and came out of it just uh, kind of reeling at how heavy it turned out to be. It's uh, I'll say for other people it might be deceptive. Like oh you see the poster the big sick looks like a romantic comedy yeah, yeah it's pretty heavy it's pretty heavy <laughs> so <laughs> I I I I I'd, I'd warn people about that if anybody's listening thinking it might be just like a fun time it's yeah it gets pretty serious but no hey it's one of the best of the year. I I'm surprised you know overall because when I heard this was a hit uh, when was it back in Sundance yeah yeah I mean I wasn't expecting one of the best of the year you know not to downplay you know Kumail Nanjiani's work but but yeah, and now like there's like Oscar buzz around this, which I'm excited about. You know, possibly like best writing, you know, nods, or maybe even I heard like best picture. I don't know. We'll see. But uh, it's, we shall see. Yeah, it's, it's it's exciting. You know, it's still early on in the year for me. I don't want to get into Oscar buzz already, but but yeah, it's it's kind of exciting to see like this a movie like this kind of reach those heights because I know these people. I've been following Kamal Nanjiani and Emily Gordon for like ever. It seems like through podcasting through their comedy so i'm glad they have like a make a like a hit with this so yeah that's that makes me happy so yeah that's the big sick yeah see it matt curio okay (laughs) okay uh what's what's next uh anya you're next with uh what'd you watch well, let's see. Uh, the other week, uh, well, I'm going to start by saying I normally do a column for Daily Grindhouse where I write about all 72 video nasties. I watch one every week. Oh, nice. And I had done a poll the other week to ask my followers who, uh, which movie I should do next. And the film that won was Tenebra. But the film that, w- that had gotten the second most number of votes, is that a phrase? It is yes. now. Um I, it was The Burning, 1981's The Burning. And oh, okay. I, I had seen it ages ago, and I remember loving it, and I wanted to revisit it anyway, so I did. And I watched The Burning over the weekend. And that was uh, 1981. Uh, mm-hmm. Director was uh, Tony Malum, and it is loosely based upon the urban legend of Cropsy. Yes. The summer camp killer. Well, I think he was like an urban killer in the original legend, but in this movie, he's he's like a summer camp Slayer, sort of. Yeah, he starts off as like a uh, like a groundskeeper. Yes, he's a yeah, groundskeeper. They play a prank on. Yeah, there's a bad prank gone wrong, a burning, and yep, he that. survives. And he's a bit upset, and he takes that out on the teenagers later you on. Know, I, I don't blame him for being upset. Yeah, I don't blame him either. Uh, yeah. So this came out in '81. This was, I think, the same year as Friday the Thirteenth. No, yeah, part was, two. Yeah, this was uh, came out during the big slasher boom of the. Uh, early 80s 
Right. And, and in fact, uh, Tom Savini turned down Friday the 13th Part 2 to work on this film. Yes. And it's, it's very obvious in the effects, uh, the quality of the effects. And he also had a role in the film, uncredited, as the kicking fire-engulfed legs of Cropsey during the prank. <laughs> That's awesome. I didn't know I that. Don't, yeah. Um, so... There's that. Um, I really like this movie. I freaking love this movie, actually. And I'm so glad that I now have it on DVD. Uh, it has... It's the first role of Jason Alexander. Yes. Who you guys may Playing, remember. Yep. As George Costanza from Seinfeld. Yep, and he uh, plays but the it, jock here, which is really funny. He is a jock, yes. <laughs> and he's... I mean... He's he's kind of like a big dude. He's kind of stocky in this film. I mean, he you, he could pass as a jock. Yeah. But you know, for for audiences today who who know him from Seinfeld, you're kind of laughing at it. Like, really? Okay. Like, but, oh, and and he actually used to have hair, which is interesting. I didn't he know that. Did. He had a full <laughs> I just curly. Thought he, I thought he, thought he was like born bald, like one of those people. <laughs> right. And he I, he looked good to me. I was I was oh yeah I was hot and bothered. So I was I was enjoying this movie, and this is also one of Holly Hunter's uh, first roles as yes. Sophie. Yes. Before she was winning Oscars, I think she won one. She won one, right, for the piano. I think, I think so. Yeah. Yeah. And this has a great campfire tale scene. Mm-hmm. Uh, in this one, there is the legend of Cropsey, uh, as the the counselors are telling it. And I'm I'm a sucker for a good campfire tale scene in a movie. And you only have them every once in a while. I think the best ones are in uh, uh, the first Friday the Thirteenth. Yeah. Mad Men has a really good one. Uh, I can't think off the top of my head of, of other good campfire scenes. Can you guys think of any? Oh wow! Um, I'm trying to think. Yeah, I don't know. I was going to just say the Friday the 13th where they're like, you know, this camp is haunted, blah, blah, blah. <laughs> you know, there's a good one that isn't horror, but it, it is a good campfire scene. And that's the uh, the story that Gordy tells in Stand By Me, the um, the pie eating contest story. Oh, I should. I believe um, that one is told around a campfire. I should see Stand By Me, shouldn't I? <laughs> you haven't seen Stand No, I haven't. Yeah, I know. <laughs> what? I, I don't even know. I don't even know what to say to that. <laughs> That's the reaction I usually get when I tell people I haven't seen Stand By Me. People are like, "What do you? What? How?" It's funny. I I I saw Stand By Me, but it was on it was on TNT like twenty years ago, and I oh, damn. barely remember it. So I guess I could use a rewatch. Um, now I'm wondering if you guys are robots. <laughs> I mean, I I think as upset you are, Anya, with Matt. I mean, I was that upset like three weeks ago when he said he didn't see Face Off. So. Um. Oh. Yeah. I mean, Matt. That's no good. That's <laughs> no good. But hey, Matt, Whatever. you you did see the burning, right? Yes, I love this movie. I uh, did a column for it on uh, for Screams from the Crypt over at Talk Film Society like a few months ago, and I love the burning. It is a lot of fun. It has one of the most gruesome and sudden death scenes ever. Uh, Anya will know what I'm talking about. It takes place on a raft in the middle of the water. Where oh, yeah. a, a bunch of kids are just, you know, chilling, having a good time, and then out of nowhere comes Cropsey and like slaughters like eight kids in the span of like twenty seconds, and it's so glorious. Uh he uses these gardening shears and it gets really, really violent really quick. Uh yeah, that's I love scenes like that in horror movies like this because you can tell that the directors and writers really just don't give a fuck and they've just <laughs> thrown everything they can at the screen. Um, I also found it interesting that this was written by a young duo of the Weinstein brothers. Uh, you yes. know, 
before their Miramax days when they were just trying to cut their teeth on, you know, low-budget horror. And they do a really good job with this. Um, <clears throat> I think I said this when I discussed it on the show last time, but it's one of those movies that only had one entry, and it easily could have been a franchise, much like uh, the original My Bloody Valentine. Absolutely. Uh, if only it was re- responded to a little better when it first came out. Uh, Cropsy and uh, uh, Harry Warden would be, you know, more well known to slasher movie fans. They should have definitely been more iconic than they were, but they're they're enjoying a bit of a, a resurgence now. Oh, I hope so. I mean, come on, the uh, My Bloody Valentine. That is one of the coolest slasher costumes ever. It is. It's my favorite slasher movie as well. Me too. <laughs> Small world. And my, my parents, who don't really do... Well, my, my dad doesn't really do horror. He's not really into it. But that is, like, the only horror movie he genuinely loves is My Bloody Valentine. Oh, wow. See, uh, it's that, brutal. It's brutal and fun. Scene that raft that you were talking yeah. about, the, uh, the raft massacre scene, is largely responsible for the film's uh, earned spot on the video nasties list. It was oh, banned in that. England in the, the mid-80s, 1984. And it was prosecuted under the Obscene Publications Act for yes. graphic violence. And uh, it's it's an impressive scene. It's got, uh, I believe, garden shears are the only weapon used, yeah. from what I can remember. And they go all over the place, to the throat, the chest, the back, the face. I think someone someone gets their fingers cut off. Oh, yeah. And this is all in the span of like, it's like 45 seconds. It's a yeah, quick it's crazy. scene. <laughs> and it is lovely. I, I'm glad you came back to the video nasties thing because that that list always fascinates me. Like I read about it like when I was in high school. It's like like these are the ones that are considered like illegal, like in 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 the UK. That's crazy. So it's very arbitrary. Yeah, very arbitrary. And half the time, the the authorities that were in charge of it hadn't even watched the films that they were banning. Of they were. Not. They were mostly working uh, off of the the recommendations and suggestions of the uh, the NVALA, the National Viewers and Listeners Association, who are kind of like like today's American equivalent of one million moms. Not fun. The, yeah, yeah, those guys. Yeah, they um they protest everything and they they're constantly just clutching their pearls and won't someone think of the children and the devils taking our babies and they they were doing that <laughs> in the eighties. And so there were films that were banned simply by their VHS cover art, like The Driller oh, yeah, Killer. By the posters, yeah. Yes, and other films were banned uh, just because of their title. At one point, the last whorehouse, wait, the, the best little whorehouse in Texas was banned because of, of its title. <laughs> until they realized, oh, this is, this is oh, not wait, that this, bad. This, yeah. this is a Dolly Parton musical. Why are we right, banning this? Been a laughing stock for two She's weeks. She's a treasure, damn it. Off. Yeah. <laughs> so... It, it was super arbitrary, but and, and films got on the list, came off the list, got on the list, came off the list two weeks later. And so there were 72 films in total that, that were in that core list that were banned and, and either stayed banned, like uh, Love Camp 7 stayed banned for a very long time, or were taken off fairly quickly, like uh, Evil Dead. And The Burning was one of them. There you go. And, and you say you have a running column uh, covering these video nasties, right? Yes, yeah, and this week I just did Love Camp 7, the Nazi exploitation movie, which is one of the movies we'll be discussing today. Yeah, we'll, we'll get to that in a bit, but uh, coming up, uh, I mean, Matt. Bang, uh, bang, shoot, shoot. <laughs> that's, that's the plot synopsis for the movie Free Fire. Yes, um, picked this up on Blu-ray the other day. Uh, 
rewatched it. Still stands as my second favorite film of the year behind Get Out. I love what Ben Wheatley did with this. Uh, it's so economical. It's basically a 90-minute shootout in a warehouse, and it has some of the most off-the-wall and crazy performances I've seen in a long time. I mean, Charlotte Copley steals the show here as uh, Vern. Um, I love the character names in this. you got a character named Vern. Uh, Army Hammer plays a guy named Ord, which I don't even think is a human name, but I don't <laughs> care because it works because, you know, he's this stoner guy with a beard, but he's also, like, super, like, classy. I don't know. Yeah, Army Hammer's weird in this movie. Uh, this is my favorite Brie Larson movie of the year. Um, she has so much fun doing this movie. Uh, I was watching the behind-the-scenes thing, and she like really couldn't relate to the actors in this movie because they all got to pick their gun that they were going to use in the movie, and uh, they were they all knew what the guns were called. And she just goes, "Yeah, this this looks fun. I guess I'll use this gun. I don't know what the hell it's called. It just shoots things." <laughs> like she she like she felt out of place, and it also works for the character because uh, she's a little bit out of place uh, in the movie as well. Uh, I really like her character arc. Um, not a lot of characters in this have arcs. They're basically just, you know, characters. And uh, I really like the use of practical effects. Uh, the blood squibs are nice. Uh, there's a really gruesome scene where a guy gets his head crushed, and uh, I found out that was all done practically. Uh, they didn't really kill the guy, but, you know, they did it with practical effects. Yeah, I was going to um, ask. Yeah. <laughs> well, he really had an argument with this actor on set. He's like, you know what? I'm crushing your head today. Uh, but no, I really love Free Fire. It is a blast and a half. And uh, people, please check it out. It deserves a wider audience. Yeah, I remember liking it a lot when it came out. I need to revisit it for sure. Uh, I still have to see more Ben Wheatley, or at least revisit the ones I don't like. Because I'm not... <laughs> you know, I think this is the first Ben Wheatley movie I actually enjoyed watching well i love um you know that i love high rise yes and i really liked kill list yes uh this is probably my favorite of his yeah really yes this uh is probably my favorite ben wheatley uh you know most most of it doesn't doesn't waste any time it's just like hey here's the setting let's get to shooting (laughs) a lot of ben wheatley seems to be kind of uh polarizing people either love him or hate him I've noticed that, yeah. So Uh, you generally kind of love him, right? Yeah, yeah. He's uh, pretty cool. Matt does. I, yeah, I saw Kill Lists, wasn't impressed, and then I saw High Rise and wasn't too impressed. So You should rewatch High Rise. And then I saw Free Fire, (laughs) and I'm like, I I dig this. This is, this is, I really really dig this. Which is weird because from, from from the reactions I've seen, this past year, people who love Ben Wheatley came to Free Fire and found it to be not good. It's like they're the first bad Ben Wheatley film. Oh, so and I'm I'm the complete opposite. So, uh, I mean, Anya, how many how many Ben Wheatley movies have you seen? I've only seen High Rise. That was it. Uh, okay, uh, and I loved it. Absolutely loved it. Yeah, it was weird coming out because I saw it at Fantastic Fest. Well, like two years ago, and we were there a while ago. Yeah, and I came out of it. I was, I mean, I was pumped up, you know. I was like, okay, high rise. This, this is gonna be, this is gonna be the turning point for me. This is why I, I fully understand Ben Wheatley, <laughs> and uh-huh. it was maybe not the right one to do it with. So, yeah, I um, came. Well. Out, everybody else around me loved it, and I'm like, uh, I don't know. I, You're like, it's fine, I guess. Fine. Yeah, I don't whatever. know. So I'll, I'll revisit high rise, and I, I have a field in England on Blu-ray. I need to watch. 
I know that's a trip. So, that's what I've heard. And I've heard sightseers. People love that. So I'll see that. So uh, I'm not completely, you know, thanks to Free Fire, because I really like Free Fire. I'm not completely dismissing Bear Wheelies, which is, thanks I guess. Thanks to Free Fire, you're going to give them another shot. Yeah, yeah. It's a good thing. Yeah. Yeah, Free Fire is awesome. Yeah. Check it out, folks. Yeah. And again, I mean, people people hated Free Fire, so. Uh, yeah, I don't get that. I honestly don't. People don't like... Uh, actually, no, I understand it, because, you know, people don't like fun, Marcelo. <laughs> That's what you keep saying. That's what you keep saying. That's what it is, when it comes down people, to it. A lot of people don't like to have fun when they go to the movies. They like... I don't like it. Yeah, it's just, you know, I paid to have fun? What the hell is this? But see, you say that, Matt, and you really didn't like Kong Skull Island, which I thought was super fun, so... Oh, you you got my little uh, best Brie Larson movie of the year reference. Nice. It, it, it was a nice dig, at me, it felt like <laughs> it was, and I just let it, I let it uh, breeze on by until just now when I brought it, brought it back up. Yeah, well. Anyway, let's not fight, Matt. It's not what the show is. Let's drive. Let's drive. Sure. I saw I saw the driver. Ooh, I've always wanted to see this. Tell me about it. First off, I'll say I saw this uh, at the draft house. Ugh. Yep. Uh, you of course, know, you did. It's funny. In the last two weeks, I saw two. Water Water Hill movies at, at the Draft House. I can't. Yeah, say I was gonna name. say you. You have uh, like a Walter Hill kick. Streets of Fire and this, The Driver. In two weeks, uh, it just worked out for me. Uh, yeah, Streets of Fire and this, their first time watches, and I couldn't resist watching them in the, in the Draft House. Uh, for those who don't know what The Driver is, it's from 1978. Uh, written and directed by Walter Hill, starring. Ryan O'Neill, Bruce Stern. Uh, Ryan O'Neill plays a driver. Uh, and Barry Lyndon. Nope. <laughs> he goes around and drives criminals away from their crime scenes, their their bank robberies and such. Interesting. And Bruce Stern plays a detective trying to hunt him down. And man, is this movie pretty damn good. It's If you ever want to see Bruce Stern... In like a in like a role where he's just being his most Bruce Durney, then you have to see the driver. Uh, okay, then. <laughs> he I was going to say you have to see the Burbs, but okay, I'll see the driver. Oh no, you have to. Well, maybe he's a bit more unhinged in the Burbs, but if you if you want to see him, is. <laughs> you know, he's going at like a ten in the Burbs. If you want to go, if if you want to see him at like a nine. See the driver. Okay, because he's, he's like a detective, like uh, breaking all the rules, trying to track yeah. down and and uh, and arrest this driver. And Ryan O'Neill is just Ryan O'Neill. Uh, I I frankly haven't seen Ryan O'Neill in many movies. Um, I haven't seen Barry Lyndon yet. I know <laughs> it's quite good, but uh, but yeah, he's just. I can see movies like, you know, I mean, it just came out, Baby Driver. Edgar Wright's the the first to tell you that. He was very much influenced by the driver, so uh, and hence the title. Yeah, and uh, yeah, the the and um, baby and baby driver is very much you know modeled after uh, the driver in the driver, and so is uh, what's his face Ryan Gosling in Drive. So yeah, yeah, you, yeah, yeah. you, you could see all those parallels coming from Walter Hill's The Driver. So it was great to see it. It still stands up almost what forty years later. So. Uh, check it out if you haven't. I know the Blu-ray. I think it's Twilight Time, and it's I think it's uh, out of it's, uh, it's out of print. Is it Kino Lober? 
Yeah. Have you? Is it reasonably? Is it reasonably priced, Matt? Uh, I don't know. My brother has it. Because I, I I looked at the price. And I'm like, ah, I'm glad I'm seeing it like for ten bucks at the draft house because it's <laughs> pretty expensive. Anyway, I'm yeah. Glad this is ten dollars. I, I had fun watching this uh, with a nice crowd because yeah, they got a kick out of you know. Kooky Brewster. <laughs> wouldn't. Uh, but yeah, it's it's it, it's a hell of a good time for like it's ninety three minutes. Uh, it, it knows how to use them well, so that's the driver. I had a good nice. time. Yeah. You had yeah, me I'm- sold at at Bruce Durney at his Bruce Durniest. That's, <laughs> yeah. that's all I need. If you had that as the tagline on the poster, that's all I would need to go buy a ticket. <laughs> on, on the poster, you see like a frazzled Bruce Dern holding a gun, screaming. Yes. I'm it like, does. oh god, yeah. So it, it, I mean. Mm-hmm. If you love Bruce Stern, if you love early Bruce Stern, or any any uh, any year Bruce Stern, you have to see this because uh, each and every scene he's in, he's just like uh, calling people assholes and like yes, you please, know, uh, you know, just uh, tossing things across the across the <laughs> across the room and just he's so obsessed with catching this driver that, it, that that's his entire motivation. He'll do anything to you know. Catch track, the driver. Catch the driver. That, that's his motivation. What, what I was like, looking up this movie. I love how he's called the driver, and Bruce Stern's character is just the detective. <laughs> Hill just makes things as simple as possible in his movies. Just go from yeah. here to here. That's it. Yeah. There's a street. It's on fire. Yeah. Streets of fire. That's the movie. <laughs> Let's go. But, <laughs> I had a good time. Go see the driver. Okay, fine. Okay, fine. Uh, all right. Who's next? I think it's uh, Anya, Anya once again. Saw a little movie called Love Camp Seven. Uh, okay, oh, all boy. Right. Let's do this. All right. Let's so this. this is over with. I ended up watching Love Camp Seven. Uh, it's available. Uh, it's not available anywhere. Actually, I, I caught a copy of it. Um, it is a Nazi exploitation movie and a women in prison movie. Oh. This was made in 1969. Um, it's gone under another title, uh, Nazi Love Camp 7, if you weren't sure what kind of movie you were getting into. <laughs> uh, this is directed by Robert Lee Frost, or Lee Frost on the credits. And it stars Bob Cressy, Maria Lise, and Kathy Williams. And, okay. I'm not much for the the Nazi exploitation subgenre. It's just not for me. But this movie was a pioneer for that subgenre. So if you're into Ilsa She Wolf of the SS and uh, like women in cages and SS experiment camp, this movie was one of it's like Blood Feast or Night of the Living Dead. It's one of those forefathers okay. that you kind of have to watch if that's your thing. And so. Um, <laughs> Nazi exploitation has has had problems ever since it it first showed up, because yeah, I can imagine. <laughs> yeah, because of a subject matter, um, it kind of shows these these women being tortured and sometimes men being tortured um, in these these internment camps and concentration camps, and it's mostly for for entertainment. Yeah. And so people get a little angry, they get a little upset, as you do. And this particular movie follows uh, two young officers, women officers, um, who embark on an undercover intelligence mission uh, as inmates in this love camp. And this love camp is called that because its specific needs um, are to service the officers, the German officers of the front, whenever they want, however they want. Jesus. Yeah. (laughs) 
And so these these officers show up, these women, and they uh, they show up as inmates, acting like they are Jewish women. And um, they get flogged and flagellated. They get assaulted, uh, raped, all kinds of stuff. Whatever you could think of, it's done to them um, by Nazis, people in Nazi uniforms. And it's it's very shock and awe trash cinema, but not the for me it wasn't the fun kind like John Waters movies. It's it's just uh, it's Nazis hurting people, <laughs> and for a lot of people, for some people, it's a, it's a really cool subgenre. But for me, it just it didn't do it. But I had to write about it, so I did. <laughs> and um, yeah, if you had not told me this, uh, its other title was uh, Nazi Love Camp Seven. I would have thought you were you were going to be talking about like one of those like '60s beach movies. Oh yeah, it does kind of sound like that. Yeah, I was like, oh, Love I Camp know. Seven. It's the seventh in a series of you know Chet and his wacky friends getting away from their parents <laughs> for the summer. We're we're gonna we're gonna have some fun. Listen to the Beach Boys, but right, oh, starring a not. Funicello. Yeah, it is totally not that. Wow, <laughs> he is not in this movie. No, no God, I hope be a very not. different movie. <laughs> Jesus. And, um, yeah, so it's, it's it's pretty weird because these scenes have these women being brutalized, um, but it's in a sexualized manner. Um, it's it's kind of pornographic, which <laughs> that normally doesn't bother me, but in this in this context, it's kind of weird. It kind of feels a little weird, but um, a lot of people like it. Uh, one of my editors, he he's a huge fan of of Ilsa She Wolf of the SS, and that's not like a uh, an attack on on the people who like it. It just wasn't for me. I've actually so, heard of that one, um, and I've actually been told that it's pretty good for what it is. For what it is. Yeah. Sure. Yeah, I, I can give it that. Um, it does pass the Bechdel test. Oh, there you go. Which is kind of weird, but it totally yeah. does. Um, and so I'll, I'll give it that. And I, I even put that in my in my review of the film. It, it definitely, uh, it's, it's women-friendly in that aspect. And it does have two female leads. It has something going for it. Yeah. But they are they are beaten mercilessly and raped and and, and yeah they've Jesus. got medical experiments on them all kinds of stuff, but uh, it is what it is and so yeah. if if that sounds like the kind of niche that you be into it's definitely one of those ones that it's kind of a must watch for those who are into that subgenre. It's a, it's a subgenre that I know almost nothing about uh, outside of Werewolf Women of the SS. Right, yeah. Uh, the Rob Zombie trailer for Grindhouse, uh, mm-hmm. which I love. I love that trailer. I think it's a lot of fun. I would totally watch a feature-length version of that. But, uh, yeah, I don't know if I'd be able to handle this this genre. I don't know. Yeah, the trailer was really cool, the, the Werewolf Women of the SS. That was awesome. I was totally yeah, into that. And I'm even right. into uh, weird parodies and, and satire movies like Iron Sky. I totally love that movie. Uh, yes. I've, I've seen parts of that. It's a lot of fun. <laughs> yeah, it's fun. But this this isn't my kind of fun. Yeah. Although I'm sure Rob Zombie is a fan of Nazi exploitation movies, otherwise he wouldn't have made that trailer. Exactly. So there you go. Yeah, and, I, and I'm sure he has Love Camp Seven or Nazi Love Camp Seven like playing at his in his house right now. So uh, I'm sure he's that into it. <laughs> <laughs> this is our Love Camp Seven room. Um, <laughs> don't go in there. Uh, yeah, but but yeah, I, I'm like Matt. I'm not I'm not into. Well, it's not that I'm not into. It's just I haven't seen many in this. this woefully unfamiliar. Yeah, uh, exploitation movies in this genre. So, yeah, uh, but but 
I'll take your word for this one, Anya. I won't start with this one if, if I'm going to yeah. dive into that. <laughs> there's, there's, there's other yeah. routes to take. Which is weird because I'm into women in prison films, and those films have women being beaten and, and, you know, starved and tortured and mutilated and all kinds of stuff. And for some reason, I'm all about those. Maybe because they generally get their revenge later on on their captors. And the women in this film do get revenge. Uh, most of them do. Um, Which... But I think that it's that weird historical tie that's still kind of... At least in today's political climate, it's it's kind of weird because now we know that there's a pretty big element of of those those sort of extremists that are empowered now, and they uh, they feel like they can just kind of say what they want. They yeah. they don't have to hide it anymore, and it's kind of weird that that's kind of being fetishized uh, in, in this film. But I will say. There is one guy in this movie, uh, Bob Cressy, who wrote the screenplay and produced the movie. He plays the uh, Nazi commandant, and he does a pretty good job. He comes from that whole, uh, we have ways of making you talk school of acting. Okay. And it's very Hogan's Heroes-ish, this total caricature. And um, I was kind of into that. I thought that was goofy. It was funny. He did a good job. He seemed to be enjoying his role. Uh as much as you can in that kind of role. Uh, real quick, I'll ask you this. Uh, in terms of those women in prison movies, which ones would you recommend? Mm, definitely uh, Women in Cages, 1971. Um, there is one. Oh, what was the Japanese one? It was like female prisoner scorpion, and then there's a number. I can't remember the name of it. I saw it years ago, and I absolutely loved awesome. it. Yes, it was one of those ones that Quentin Tarantino loves, and he was okay. hyping up and trying to get a re-release of uh, this and that. And it it has a composer and a singer who later featured on the Kill Bill movies as well. Ah, okay. I'm going to see if I can find the name. I'm going to get my phone out. But I'm pretty sure it's Female Prisoner Scorpion, and then there's a number, like 376 or something like that. And it's definitely a, a women-in-prison kind of movie that also plays heavily on that vengeance aspect. I just found it. Uh, it's called Female Prisoner Number 701, Scorpion. That's it. That's the one. There you go. This poster's badass. <laughs> yeah, and I do believe that it's recently been re-released by... I want to say Blue Underground. Okay. And uh, th there's a whole collection. Oh, no, Arrow Video. They're the ones who did it. Okay, cool. They did the complete collection. This actually got a, a several sequels as well. And it it's like tried and true female women in prison story. That That's what it is. And it's, it's, it's for me, it's the best that the genre has to offer. And it's kind of respectable. It, in that it's it's one of those you know foreign films that that adds a little depth to what is a fairly lowbrow genre. I generally uh, enjoy it, and it also um, the woman who started it. Her name was her character name was Lady Snowblood, as I recall. Ah, yeah, and it's it's just got everything you would want from those those exploitation movies. Well, awesome. So. I am going to check that out. I want the listeners to also check that out. Um, I'm always looking for, you know, I always want to dive into aspects or genres that I have not yet, you know, driven into. So it's, it's always good to get recommendations. Um, speaking of recommendations, oh wait, let me go back a bit. 
I just looked it up because I wanted to find out on my own. The Driver Blu-ray. Uh, it was released by Screen Archives to a limited edition okay. of 3,000. That's why I was oh, confusing fun. it. I was confusing it with our good friends. Um, I already forgot their names. The, the the guys who we don't like. The Twilight Time, right? Oh, them. Yeah, they're yeah. lovely. Yeah, so it sold out. You could, you could buy it like on Amazon for like $65. So. No, thanks. Sorry about that, folks. The driver, um, see it. I th- I'm pretty sure it's on VOD. See it that way. Anyway, go to your local draft house <laughs> and see it on the big screen. <laughs> sure. Uh, I, I had to go back for that just for my own edification. Okay. Speaking of going back, Matt, you went back and revisited a favorite of yours that I'm interested. Yes. I'm interested in hearing you discuss because I'm not a fan of this movie. <laughs> Very few people are. Yeah. Um, I watched uh, Luc Besson's 2014 movie Lucy, uh, which oh. is which still stands as one of my favorite uh, like comic book superhero movies. Even though it's not based on a comic book, and she's not really a superhero, um, it takes the, you know the uh, pseudoscience thing of you know what if we used all of our brain and turns it puts it in like an action movie mold. And it's really fun. I really like this movie. Uh, it's got a lot of fun parts. It has some good drama thrown in. And the action is top tier, as one would expect from a Luke Besson movie. Uh, Scarlett Johansson is great in this. Um, this was made around the same time she did Under the Skin. So it's pretty cool to see this as, like, back-to-back with both of those movies. As, you know, they're people who are basically trying to find their way on Earth uh, under these weird circumstances. Uh, love it. I love uh, the actor in this. Um, uh, what's his name? I forget his name all the time, mostly because I can't uh, pronounce it. Uh, the guy from Old Boy. Oh, I know who you're talking about, but I, for the life of me, cannot think of his name. I'm sorry. Minsik Choi? Yeah? Sounds right. Him? Yeah. Yeah, sure. Uh, but yeah, no, he's great in this as a bad guy. I love that it, it's kind of like, uh, you know, they she, he's on like a blood hunt for this Lucy character because you know what she still has most of his drugs that he's trying to like ship across seas and he will stop at nothing to get them back because he's a businessman gotta make his money uh so yeah so Lucy Matt yeah love it I love it so much it has a it's very much Luke Besson's The Tree of Life uh, uh, I've said this since I've since I first saw it, and that comparison for me still stands. Uh, a lot of like the nature footage, a lot of the uh, beginning of time stuff that you see in Lucy uh, is very much like Terrence Malick's movie. And uh, yeah, I love ah, I love Lucy. <laughs> L- LOL. Oh, let's just end the episode right there. <laughs> Um, Carlo is pretending to laugh at my joke. Thank you. Uh, Carlo's in the background. Say say hello to Carlo uh, for me. Hi. Um, <laughs> but no, I am not. A f- uh, I'm not a fan of Lucy. I I tried. Um, well, I've I don't s- see why people don't like this. It's just it's a fun action movie with a sci-fi twist. I try to describe my my reason for not liking it so much. I I saw it in a theater, and there are very few movies I fall asleep through um i can like count them i think on one hand actually um because i think the last two were uh that one michael fat uh macbeth the michael fassbender macbeth fell asleep through that and then after that i think it was tomorrowland fell asleep through that 
and Lucy, I fell asleep through. Wow. I think I don't like it because it was just so dumb, and the action scenes to me weren't as riveting as I wanted them to be. And yeah, I just got bored. I, I didn't. I, I didn't find bored. this to be dumb at all. <laughs> I thought it was really dumb. Like dumber than I expected. I knew I was walking into a Luc Besson movie that was going to be. Yeah, I mean, you're watching a Luc Besson movie. What, yeah. what do you expect? <laughs> it was, I don't know. It just it just passed the limit for me of like me being at all interested because I it just it just lacked any cohesive. I I, I didn't grasp anything that I was interested in. I remember that, like like nothing really stood out. You to also me. fell asleep. Um, I'd recommend revisiting this when you're awake. No, uh, it's, it's <laughs> that, very that might help quite a bit uh, if you know. You watch it when you're awake and not sleeping. Uh, yeah, no. Uh, it I'm, tends to help the viewing experience. From what <laughs> yeah, I, I mean, it, it, it also helps you know improve your opinion of a movie because you know you're awake. Nah, I, and not asleep. I fell asleep halfway through and I woke up because like Lucy was doing something with a gun, so I dozed off and dropped my phone. So yeah, it's probably another reason why I'm not going to forgive this movie because like. The phone I dropped during that screening, it cracked. So I blame Lucy for that. So, yeah. Uh, oh, okay, sure. Not, I'm not in any, <laughs> not in any rush to revisit this and reappreciate it. So, yeah, it's not, it's not doing it for me. He's gonna subtweet you so hard <laughs> on Twitter. I, know he is. I, I think, I think Matt is quiet now because that's what he's doing. He's, he's tweeting about me right now. <laughs> but no, I know Matt, you are planning something for the site, right? Uh, that fell apart. Oh, uh, well, forget it. But um, I'll just say that uh, I don't know. Um, I like Luke Besson. Okay, I do. I, yeah. I, I talked about him. You know, what two weeks ago when I talked about the Fifth Element, and I like uh, Leon, the professional, which we'll talk about later. So yeah, but Lucy, I don't know. I just don't get it. I don't get it. It it bored me to death. So I'm sorry. I'm no, I'm sorry for you. It's fine. Yeah, you're the one I'm sorry for. <laughs> I am sorry for you, uh, Anya. Uh, have you seen Lucy? I have not. I have not seen Lucy at all. Um, so the the whole what if we what if we're only using a certain amount of our brain power and and what if we were able to use it at full capacity? Those movies generally haven't really enticed me enough to want to sit and watch them or bump them up in my watch list above horror movies or, or anything else that, that pays the bills these days. So I've kind of avoided uh, Lucy and there was that one with uh, Bradley Cooper where he was like taking a pill that would help him out with that. It was like limitless. This is, this is basically that but with Scarlett Johansson and a lot of action. Yeah, I mean I love Scarlett <laughs> Johansson. I do love her but uh, yeah I think it's, the premise itself just didn't, uh, it didn't hook me in. So I, I have no opinion on Lucy other than uh, Scarlett Johansson is amazing and she's hot. Well, she, and yeah, I love her. And Black Widow deserves her own movie. No, I, I agree about <laughs> Johansson. I don't think I had any qualms about Johansson and Lucy because mm-hmm. I, I love Johansson a lot. Uh, and yeah, she 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 is like a great action star. Although I haven't seen Ghost in a Shell for per, for you know for reasons. For you can blame Kevin Feige for both of these movies. How about that? <laughs> for what? Ghost in the Shell and Lucy? If, yeah. If she had her own franchise, if she had her own Black Willow franchise, we wouldn't be talking about yeah. Lucy. Oh, man. So, yeah, I do blame Kevin Feige. Yeah, oh. he's kind of an asshole. <sighs> yeah, pretty much. No one's interested in a Black Widow movie. Actually, we all are, but you Everybody. are deaf. 
is <laughs> we want it. Yeah. Uh, okay, fine. You know what? Uh, I'm more on your side now, Matt, because, uh, yeah, I don't like Feige, and uh, I, I, I would rather have a Black Widow movie. So, um, yeah, there we go. I'm glad we can all agree. <laughs> we don't. No, we don't. Speaking of agreeing, a lot of us don't agree on The Dark Knight Rises. Uh-huh. Which is, we don't? No. Well, I'll say generally, you know, people I've read online don't particularly like Dark Knight Rises. Okay, uh, some think of it as pretty silly. Uh, Bane's voice is silly. Tom Hardy's—I uh, don't know what he's doing in it—and it goes on too long. And I've heard this for the last five years. I think today is actually the fifth anniversary of it coming out. So, uh, as of this recording, I think. So that's timely. So five years later, come back to it. Like maybe it's my fourth watch. Um, I have completely—I'm on the positive side. I. I can say oh, I'm so close to loving this movie. It's it's gone from like weird, silly, I don't know what Nolan's doing to like, oh, I'm fully I, I I'm fully in love with this weirdness he's putting on screen. Uh, it's it's an epic in the weirdest way. Uh and yeah, it's it's like he he's like, "Oh, I'm going to make a movie on the scale of like Lawrence of Arabia." That's what he's going for. And he mostly pulls it off. So yeah, I had a fun time watching The Dark Knight Rises. Uh, it was like two, the runtime was like two hours and forty five minutes. I stayed up and watched the whole thing. Um, and a few nights ago, I tried watching The Dark Knight, and I fell asleep halfway through. Again, me falling asleep. It's indicative to. So like, you stay awake for a three hour movie, but you can't stay awake for eighty minutes. Uh, no, what Lucy's eighty minutes? Yes. Oh, I felt longer than that. Anyway, Dark Knight Rises, two hours and forty five minutes. I, I was like compelled like the whole way through, so I was like, oh, so yeah, I really like The Dark Knight Rises. Um, uh, I've wanted to write about The Dark Knight movies pretty much all week. I think I ran out of time. I think I might do it this weekend. I still do it, but yeah, if I'm going to write about any of them, I feel like I want to write about The Dark Knight Rises because there's just a lot of it that is <laughs> that is kooky and interesting in ways that maybe Nolan's films, his other films, aren't. So. I can say that about this movie. So yeah, I dug it. This is my fourth time watching it, so I can't wait for the fifth. So yeah, I'm fully on board with the, with this movie. I know, but I don't know how you guys feel. Anya, how do you feel about The Dark Knight Rises? I love it. It's wonderful. Now I haven't um, I haven't read too much of the original source material. I'm I'm not huge into comics uh, outside of Spawn. That's kind of like my favorite comic, and that's it. But um. Yeah, I, I'm not. I don't see what the problem was. Uh, you know, it was dark. Batman's dark. Bane was cool. What do you want from me? It was good. <laughs> yeah, Bane. I don't, I don't see what people's problem is. Bane was cool, and I. It's. It is okay. When I really think about it, there are scenes where I'm like, "What is he doing? What voice is he? Is he pulling off?" It's game like, show host. It's like uh, game show host. <laughs> uh, who was it? I, I can't remember if it was on Twitter or somewhere else. Um, it's like John Lennon doing like a, a Sean Connery accent. No, that wasn't it. Some joke. Anyway, it's a you weird just need voice. To talk into a, you just need to talk into a cup, and then you are the fire can rise. Oh, we did this a few episodes ago. <laughs> we did this a few months ago. Yeah, we were drunk. It's 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 silly, but I I like it, and I like his character. It's it's a good character. He, he's menacing. He has as a villain. He has like a, a nice through point. Um, there's a nice twist at the end. 
which I appreciate. It's I don't think is that I don't think it's as like uh, what's maybe I think people have caught it like dumb or like they they could see it a mile away. I don't know. I liked it. I, I, I like the villains in this. Catwoman, I like. I like Anne. Ha- I really like Anne Hathaway. Anne Hathaway in this, like, really like her. Like, I, I don't know what, I, uh, guys. I don't know because I love Batman Returns. It's my favorite comic book movie. Okay. <gasps> Me too. Yeah, it's my favorite Tim Burton. <laughs> it's up there. I love it to death. But I was watching Dark Knight Rises and I go, Anne Hathaway. It's, it's like she is. For a few scenes, I'm like, is she as good as Michelle Pfeiffer? Maybe. <laughs> so she does a good job. Yeah, she does a pretty good job. But yeah, it's it was an eye-opening experience cuz like this has like shot my way. It, it it shot up near the top of my favorite comic book adaptations. It's super weird that it's 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 gone down this way. Uh, but yeah. Uh I mean, Matt, I mean uh, I think we've talked about Nolan and The Dark Knight Rises before, you know, a few weeks ago. It's fine. <laughs> you think the Dark Knight Rises is just fine? It's fine. Do you think it's better than Inception? Oh my God, yes. Because <laughs> you hate Inception, don't you? Yes, yes, I do. Uh, why do you hate it so much? I still understand. I don't want dreams explained to me <laughs> at all because dreams should not be explained ever. You know, I'm going to see Dunkirk in about oh Dunkirk. shit in about an hour and forty minutes. I'm like doing it right after this recording. And somebody uh, explained it to me in a way that made me really excited to see Dunkirk. They're like, "Oh, Dunkirk! It's like the the last third of Inception, like made into a movie, like a full length movie." And I go, "That's that's that's what I want." Inception to me, the last like third act is like top tier Nolan. Like nothing is better than that. It's fine. <laughs> so you're not? Are, are you a big Nolan fan, or are you uh, not? Nolan fan. I'm uh, like he's... I don't. Uh, okay, for me, I'll say real quick. For me, I'm like right in the middle because I hate the Prestige, and that's everybody's favorite Nolan movie. But I hate that movie, and I'm like kind of in it's the okay middle. To be wrong, it's I'm okay, okay to be wrong. It is. I, it's all right to be wrong. <laughs> I'm in the middle for most, but I really love like Memento, Inception. I mean, The Dark Knight, The Dark Knight Rises, and I like Insomnia. So yeah, but. The other ones, Interstellar, eh. But the Prestige is bad. I hate it. I, I think it's bad. So anyway. You're so wrong. <laughs> I mean, but Matt, you hate Inception, which yes. I think you're completely wrong about. But, uh, I mean, you love other Nolan movies, right? Yeah, The Prestige is one of my favorite movies. <laughs> and I hate The Prestige, so. And coming from, like, a director that I'm really not a fan of as a human being, uh, he's a pretty good director. <laughs> I, I just don't like him as a person. <laughs> what, is he, what has he done to you? He just seems all very high and mighty and full of himself whenever he opens his mouth to speak. <laughs> and that really fine. that really turns me off. I oh something fell. Oh, that was weird. My old keyboard fell and scared me. Uh anyway, what was I saying? Nolan. I don't know. Can you fault the guy for trying to keep the the theatrical experience alive? No. <laughs> so that's what I think he's well intentioned, yes, and he does come off as a prick sometimes. So, yeah, uh, he's. But yeah, I don't know. He, I can't blame the guy for wanting to stick to film and wanting to stick to like IMAX seventy millimeter and all that stuff. Like he's he's trying to keep it alive. I I kind of admire him for that. I don't know. <laughs> I'm just I'm just I'm just happy he's not hanging out with Wally Fister anymore. How about that? <laughs> can I be Can I be thankful for that? 
Because <sighs> you don't like Wally Pfister. Right? Oh, God. Do, do you know what he's doing nowadays? Nothing. He's doing nothing. He's, he, he directed the first season of The Tick on Amazon. No wonder that show looks like ass. <laughs> yeah, no, no, I'm good on him. Anyway, uh, Anya. I mean, uh, how much do you like Nolan, Anya? Um, I don't think there's a single Nolan film that I don't like. There are some that I love with all of my heart, and that even the ones that I'm I'm indifferent on, um, like say uh, Memento, um, uh, they're still great films to me. And they just didn't didn't hit me the way that some films like uh, Inception did. So I, I would call myself a fan, even a fangirl, in that I, I kind of fall over myself whenever I, I hear anything about any of his upcoming work. I'm all about it. But it doesn't hurt my feelings when, when people are like, ah, I hate him and I hate his work. <laughs> <laughs> because he is kind of polarizing in that, in that aspect, on camera and off camera. Yeah. It's kind of, you know, he, he, he does seem to be speaking from a place of privilege a lot of the time. Although I can also see a genuine love of traditional film and wanting everybody to have the best experience of his work as possible. So I can kind of see both. Um, but I can definitely understand when people are like, you have to understand that we can't all afford to, we don't, first off, we don't all have an IMAX theater right next to us within walking distance yeah. and, and that we can't all afford to go to an IMAX showing um, especially depending on the state you're living in and how much you know how much ticket prices are so um, I get that and then he, he's also kind of he's kind of elitist like, like you were saying uh, he, he's definitely kind of like this is the only way to properly engage with true cinema and it, yeah. it, it gets it gets a little grating um, especially if you're someone like me who's who's got that Blu-ray taste but is on kind of a Walmart budget and you, you can't quite yeah. uh, afford all that stuff. As yeah. much as you want to, it's kind of annoying to, to hear that this is the only way that you can really watch these movies. Yeah. And, uh, you know, sometimes this- I have to watch a movie on my phone. Sometimes I have to stream it on, on Amazon or Shutter on my computer. That's Sometimes that's how I get to see your movie. And you're going to have to deal with that. Yeah, uh, I mean, let's be real. I mean, if he really believed these things, he wouldn't be putting his movies out on Blu-ray or DVD. Yeah, maybe, maybe that's the case. You really can only know. experience it in the cinema. But here, buy this. It's twenty five ninety nine, and it comes with uh, some special features. Okay, what? Yeah. Now I may have missed him saying it, but th- and like it's been memed out to death at this point. And this is Thursday before the 7 o'clock shows of it start. So uh, all of this is happening before it's even out yet. But did he actually say, oh, you need to experience it in IMAX? Or is that just the promotional material? I believe he had he had said something along those lines, but I don't know what the original source quote yeah. was. And so it was probably exaggerated. Uh, way beyond what he actually said but I do know that uh, he has been a huge proponent of 70 millimeter and traditional celluloid film and he has constantly sort of elevated that above say Netflix he's trashed Netflix in the in the past and he's also claimed that uh, 70 millimeter and and shooting an IMAX is the only way to properly capture his films because digital just isn't there yet. Yeah. Uh, and I, I, I'll i say this about that. Like, It seems 
No, it's not surprising to me because this is film Twitter in 2017. Like he's been <laughs> saying this for years, ever since the Dark Knight came out. Like he said, "Oh, you need to experience it in IMAX, like on film." And I had I had the feeling back then that most people were on board with what he was saying. They, I think maybe it's because back then you know film film projection was much more accessible than it is now. Like digital film projection, you know, in, in theaters, it's just that's just all we see now around us. Uh, yeah. And it's just harder to do now. I mean, you, you saw what happened with the Hateful Eight's projection. Like, half of the theaters that try to play that, like, nearly burned down. Um, <laughs> but, but yeah, it's, it's, true. It's, it's gotten harder over the last nine years from The Dark Knight to experience it the way Nolan wants people to experience it. So, it's... To me, it's it's old news, and yeah, it's it's gotten to the point where people are, are just, I think... <sighs> Again, it's film Twitter in 2017. I can't talk anymore. They 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 overblow they overblow things to a grand proportion that I'm like, oh, okay, I get. They it. do, yeah. But to answer your question, yes, I'm a Christopher Nolan fan. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and and I I mean, for God's sakes, I have an Inception poster in my office, so that's how much I love that film. And I, I do like Nolan, I do. But I I agree with Matt. Somewhat, he does tend to be. He tends to be a bit prickish, um, yes. but yeah. I, I, his fight for film is going to continue on until uh, the day they they tear the film out of his cold dead hands. I guess. Uh, anyway, that can be arranged. <laughs> you heard it here first, folks. Matt Creon wants to kill Christopher Jesus. Nolan. Jesus, no, just his hands. <laughs> That's what I heard. I just want to kill that. his hands. Uh, okay. Let's. Uh... I, I'll make sure not to do it on his birthday. <laughs> Speaking of which, oh, happy birthday uh, to oh, me! Yes, the movie. On you watched Happy Birthday right. to Me. <laughs> I watched Happy Birthday to Me, 1981, just as uh, the burning. 1981 was a very good year for horror. Yeah. We got Friday the Thirteenth Part Two, The Burning, The Prowler, My Bloody Valentine. I believe Evil Dead and The Howling came out that year as well. Yeah. Uh, we got the Beyond, the Nesting. There's there's some good stuff that came out in 1981. If you're looking for a, a solid year to start with horror, that's the one you want. Real uh, quick, 1987 would have been a good one too. Real quick, Happy Birthday to Me is a movie I've always wanted to see, um, but I was never able to rent it when I was a kid because my mom did not like the video cover because it had a guy being killed with a shish kebab. <laughs> People had a huge problem with that. Yes, that yep. was banned in a lot of places because of the cover, just like we yeah. were talking about before with the video nasties. Um, it's also got the tag, some of the best taglines I've ever heard for a movie. One of my favorites was, um, you're invited to the bloodiest party of the year, RSVP or die. Ooh. Yes. <laughs> That's good stuff right there. That's straight from a Goosebumps novel. I love yeah, it. Yeah, it's awesome. Tell me all and, about this. <laughs> okay, so it's rated R, naturally, uh, but it has no nudity, very little profanity, a little bit of drugs, you know, some pot smoke, some drinking, as you do, teenagers and whatnot. Um, but it is about this group of college students, prep school students, um, that call themselves the top ten. And it's not entirely clear what they're the top ten of, because we can't tell if they're academically inclined or if they're only two of them are jocks. Two of them are just pretty girls who don't seem to really do anything. Um, we have no idea what they're the top ten of, but they call themselves the top ten, and the they're, top ten. <laughs> they're an elite clique. And um, they start dying. A bunch of them. And so um, this was directed by Jay Lee Thompson, who did Guns of Navarone. He did Conquest of and Battle for the Planet of the yes. Apes. 
He did some good stuff. He also directed 1962's Cape Fear, which features my husband, Robert Mitchum, (laughs) as Max Cady. And um, he did this movie, and it seems to be a, a big... A big homage to Giallo films, actually. There seems to be a lot of Argento-influenced elements laced throughout. The killer has these black gloves that you see throughout the movie. And there's this horizontal slanted lighting uh, emphasizing the victim's frantic eyes. There's the glimmering straight razor right before it slashes someone's throat. There is a lot of that Italian influence in in this movie, but it's an 80s slasher movie, so it's kind of weird to see, but it's cool to see at the same time. Um, The deaths in this movie are... Uh, pretty cool. There's there's your average throat slash, that full frontal throat slash that we've seen in all the Friday the 13th movies. Of course. But then there's a guy who is working on his bike. Uh, the bike's upside down. He's messing around with the engine. The wheels are spinning. And the killer simply yanks his scarf and pulls it into the spinning wheel. Ooh. Which then pulls his face into the spinning wheel. And that's how he dies. His face is just, you know, kind of torn to death I need uh, on screen. Yes, there's good stuff. There is one of the best weight room death scenes since uh, Nightmare on Elm Street 4. <laughs> oh, that that oh, scene that gave me good. nightmares as a kid. Yeah, me this, too. This one is pretty cool. Not as graphic, uh, not, as, not as weird with the cockroach thing, but uh, <laughs> it's definitely uh, a cool one. And then there's, there's some simple, basic horror stuff like being stabbed with shears. But I'm so surprised that this movie didn't get a bigger following because it is absolutely bonkers at the end. The The third act just goes completely off the rails. It's like they, they wrote themselves into a corner and didn't know what to do, so they just threw the kitchen sink <laughs> at the plot. And it comes out of nowhere. There's, there's weird uh, mental... Uh, uh, amnesia things going on. It's it's there's multiple personalities. It is a soap opera, but in a horror film. Oh. I absolutely loved it, and I'm going to be looking for the. I actually caught it on YouTube, Ooh. so I'm going to be uh, getting the DVD as soon as possible. I don't yeah, believe I there's to, a Blu-ray. I need to track this down. <laughs> yeah, I don't think I don't know if there's a Blu-ray, but there's definitely a DVD out there somewhere. I saw it. I saw it. I'm gonna find it. <laughs> and uh, it's got Melissa Sue Anderson in it as the the starring role as Virginia, who you would probably know as Mary Ingalls on Little House on the Prairie. Okay. The show. Yes, from 74 to 81. But she is, this is her role that says, I'm a grown-up now. I'm an adult actress. Well, an actress who's an adult. Not not an adult actress. Not that yes. kind of actress. <laughs> but, you know, uh, and an actress who's an adult. I have advanced yes. past this kitty stuff. And this is her role that, that kind of shows that. And she shows it. It's very bloody. An actress um, of adult age. <laughs> this movie deserves more love. It is absolutely nuts, and it's fun, and I had a great time watching it. I have to check this one out. Uh, it's been on my, like I said before, it's been on my list for since I was a kid. <laughs> yes, the shish kebab death is in the movie as well. Okay, that, good. I thought it, I was hoping it wouldn't be like one of those, like just it's on the poster and that's it. Yes, no, it is. It is totally there on screen, fully lit. You'll Excellent. get. Excellent. They deliver. <laughs> yeah, I. This is the first I've heard of it, actually. Oh, so, wow, okay. Yeah, I, I, I'll need to check this out as well. Um, if there's a DVD floating out there, um, I think I'll be able to rent it at my local video store. Uh, you have one of those, too? You, yeah. Sure. <laughs> I, I, it's, uh, you know, Draft House, video, video <laughs> store. 
this happened now in, who's the elitist I, i'm just yeah, saying exactly. it's like near, where else? i live in a town with 18 <laughs> draft houses fuck you it's only six of them and to, it's the only way to engage with film these days <laughs> just to watch the vhs i <laughs> Uh, listen. Oh, I, I have no defense. I have no defense. I'm sorry. I don't I know? I, no, I'm just bitter. I wish that there was a video store near me. I'm lucky. It's I. It's it's not like I'm bragging or anything. I'm I'm thankful that there's a video store near me, and they're still open. There's three of them actually. Um. So yeah, it's it's like a 25 minute drive, but I mm-hmm. I, I could make the drive. I, right. I, yeah. It's it's worth it. Uh, I can pick up like a few Blu-ray Criterions and and uh, happy birthday to me. So it's all worth it. Anyway, I'm sorry, Matt. Shut up. <laughs> you know, when I was a kid, I used to love going to the video store. You know, it was always popping on a Friday night after school. You oh, could go yeah. there and you could you know pick whatever you wanted. And I I used to love picking my one horror movie that my parents used to let me rent with. Um, just based on the cover art alone. Mm-hmm. And I was always in the horror section, and so I would always try and uh, pick something that wasn't too... Like, I would actually read the summary on the back, and I would try to pick a movie that wasn't too crazy with the cover art so that my mom would let me rent it. Uh-huh, she would let me rent horror was a trick. Or you do the trick where you get a movie that there's no way she would ever let you watch in a million years and then present that one first. And then when she says no, you'd be like, oh, okay, well, I guess I'll try this one. And, and that's yeah. the one you really wanted to watch the whole time. A lot of my favorite horror movies were discovered that way. And uh, my mom was pretty cool with what we could rent. Um, but, yeah, usually I would just have to have her read the back of the box and then she'd say if it was okay or not. Or not. That's how I originally saw Toby Hooper's The Mangler. Ooh. Uh, cause she read this and she's like, wait, it's, it's a washing machine that, that, yeah, sure. Of course you can rent this. It's stupid. <laughs> it's Toby Hooper though. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but boy, do I love that movie. <laughs> but I wish my, you know, I have a nine year old son who is starting to get into horror. He loves it. Um, he's actually the mangler. The <laughs> well, now I will. Now that I hear you, you mention it, I haven't seen that movie in years. Oh, um, so but I wish we had a video store near us so I could give him that yeah, same right? experience. Take him there on a Friday night after school and let him, you know, pick something out based on the cover art. But now I need to add the mangler to my list, like you were saying. So much fun. That's perfect for a nine-year-old too. Yeah, I know. It's killer washing machine. <laughs> what kid doesn't love that goofy stuff? <laughs> Uh, speaking of uh, manglers, nope, it's not a good transition. Uh, <laughs> Leon the Professional. Hey, yes, you revisited yeah, I... this movie, yes, Matt, mm-hmm. for the first time in about oh I don't know seventeen years. I remember seeing this when I was like going oh, wow. into sophomore year in high school. Uh, rented it uh, from Blockbuster, and I really liked it back then. And I thought it was you know it's okay, it's fine. Uh, rewatching it this time. Uh, it really uh, took me back and kind of blew me away uh, how smart and mature this movie is. Uh, it's got a really a lot of great themes in it, in it about you know like finding yourself after a tragedy, uh, even if the tragedy might have been a good thing for young Natalie Portman, Matilda. Because let's face it, her family was horrible; they were just horrible people, and it might have been good that. You know, that happened. 
But yeah, this is probably Luc Besson's best movie. Uh, listeners don't know, it's about a little girl named Matilda, played by Natalie Portman in her first role. Uh, really knocking it out of the park right out of the gate. And uh, Jean Renault plays Leon, who lives down the, down the block down the hallway from her, and he is a hitman for Danny Aiello, who might give one of my favorite performances of his career in this movie. Um, yeah. He is really good. Um, I love how he basically plays the father figure to both Leon and uh, eventually, you know, Matilda. Really love him in this. Uh, Gary Oldman plays a corrupt uh, police detective who, you know, basically just runs drugs to make some extra bucks. And he's one of those guys that, you know, he gets high on his own supply. And I think that's why he gets so angry because, you know, people are stealing from him his own supply. Um, really love him in this uh the action is some of the best i've seen it still holds up all these years later uh there's the listeners who've seen this movie there's a scene where you know leon goes upside down and takes out about 10 guys and it's still the coolest thing you can see in an action movie to this day i really love it i really like the uh relationship between her and leon how like she is constantly you know falling in love with him but you know she's a kid she doesn't really know what that is and he's like pushing her away the entire time like how about we don't this is weird stop stop what you're doing let's try to be normal and uh, I really like that it walks that fine line and yeah this is probably um, Luc Besson's best film I love it so very much yeah I've been meaning to revisit it it's been about 10 years for me since I've seen it uh, but yeah, I, I have fond memories of it uh, growing up watching this. And yeah, uh, did you see the European cut, Matt? I watched the uh, extended, uh, the director's cut, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I think which adds a few scenes. Uh, yeah. Can't remember off the top of my head what it adds. But it's I think it works. I think that's the, the better of the two cuts. Almost definitely. Yeah. Oh, did you also watch this in 4K? Yes, um, they just put out a uh, 4K disc for this, and uh looks brand new. Uh, they did a really good job, really faithful to what it was shot on, which obviously back then in 94 it was shot on film. Uh, it looks gorgeous. Uh, it looks very um, lifelike and lived in, and they did a terrific job uh, with this new Blu-ray. Uh, bravo to Sony. Yeah, it's one of the few times I would ever say bravo to Sony. <laughs> <laughs> Usually they don't get it right, but uh, but the one thing on the Greener right so far, what I've seen is like their 4K remasters. Are, uh, oh yes, pretty good. I'll be, I need to revisit this. I, I I think it might be my favorite Basson. I think I do like it better than the Fifth Element and um, Lucy. Uh, I even moved up on my ranking. Um, if you if anyone follows me on Letterboxd, they'll see that I basically rank every year in film. And it moved up to my favorite film of 1994. So that's a wow. good year. It's a yeah. good year. Yeah, I, <laughs> I say that about every year. Every year I say that. <laughs> good year. That was a good year. It's like Twilight Zone. Oh, this is a good episode. I like this one. <laughs> that's yeah. every episode ever. <laughs> Matt, how far back do you rank your your years? 68. I went back until I think 68. Ooh. Wow. Uh, I went back basically as many years as I've seen five or more movies from it. Oh wow. So, like, say you go to, like, a year, like, 1970, whatever, it'll be, like, the top five movies of this year, uh, because I haven't seen that many. <laughs> <laughs> uh, it seems like a lot of work. Seems like a lot of work. Yeah, I have, you know, I have my top 20 films of 1994, and Leon is number one. 
What, what's number two? I'm curious. Pulp Fiction. Okay. All right. I figured. Okay. Yeah. You figured. That <laughs> <laughs> makes figured. sense. Ch- checks out. Uh, anyway. Uh, 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 Anya, have you seen The Professional? Ages ago, uh, when I was, I think I was a kid when I saw it, probably when I was too young to actually see the movie, yeah. um, I watched it. And I, I don't remember much of it now. Like like you were saying earlier, I, I need a revisit. And uh, what I do remember is mostly what you find in GIFs online. Uh, oh, yeah. Like, you know, the, the pins Every- being pulled and Gary Oldman, you know, throwing a tantrum. That's about it. That's what I remember. Um, I do remember that the the relationship between Leon and, and Natalie Portman were was was a very strong one, and I remember really enjoying that. And it kind of you know it hits you hard, it gives you the feels, and that's why the movie is so powerful, and and so much more than than your regular humdrum action movie. Um, that's all I can really remember, though. I, I des- definitely desperately need to revisit and now you guys are talking about 4k and this and that and i'm <laughs> i'm feeling uh, i'm feeling left out again i'm feeling like a peasant no once I, more i have a my hd tv is is uh, coming up on 10 years old uh i have a i have a decent sound system a 2.1 but matt i mean matt just got a 4k tv last year so i'm jealous of him Yes, it's, 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 it's my pride and joy. Yeah, I mean, you, I mean, I, I maybe that's why I need to go out and see movies more often. Well, uh, no, that's why I go out to see movies at all because my in-home experience isn't as grand as yours, Matt. I mean, yeah, I'd rather stay home. <laughs> <laughs> uh, although, although, that's why I can't I can't hate on people's home entertainment systems because that's my ultimate goal is to never really have to go out hey, ever anywhere. again anywhere or put on pants. I can just sit there and and. <laughs> be a slob i like that that is my goal uh, i think that's a good note to end on i think that <laughs> no, one likes, no, one, no one likes wearing pants let's face it no one likes hey. wearing pants and that's carlo just nodded in agreement <laughs> uh do we have time for one round of the of the hey cast pyramid yeah real quick real quick let's do one round um uh, Anya, have you uh, have you heard far enough into an episode to know what this is? Because <laughs> we do no. this, we do this, we do this at the very end with uh, okay with most guests. I mean, all right. Well, you've caught me. I haven't listened to a full episode gotcha. yet, so uh, well, I don't have to explain this one. I don't blame you because most of our episodes recently have been over two hours long. You know, so yeah, longer than Dunkirk. So Dunkirk. Uh, what this is, Hey Cast Pyramid. Is uh, it's kind of like the oh, it's exactly like the ten thousand dollar pyramid. We <laughs> yes. stole it from there. Uh, let's see, uh, Matt. Would you like to give or receive? Doesn't matter. <laughs> Doesn't matter. Uh, I will send you. <laughs> That's not funny. I'm sorry. No, it's not. oh, it's very funny. <laughs> Matt will be giving. Uh, and on. <laughs> So here, here are the are rules. Children. Here are the rules. So Matt, I'm going to send Matt a list of five random movies. Uh, I've 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 picked I've chosen them at random, and uh, he will give you clues, Anya, as to what they are. The five titles. <sighs> he cannot give you any actor names, director names, uh, veer away from pronouns, other movie titles. You know, so that leaves us just description of the plots and quotes. And yeah, you'll have 60 seconds to try to get them all. So, okay, all right. All, all I'm five. down for this. Yeah. 
How are you sending this to me? I'll send them to you through Twitter DM. Okay. Okay. Here we go. Yeah, I think we just have time for one round, so yeah. I have I have faith in the both of you. I do. I mean, uh, let me get the timer ready. Uh, and I will say, if people are listening to this episode for the first time, uh, this is not our. It's not an original idea. I stole this from another podcast. So, um, and I thought it, also stole it from a famous. Game show. <laughs> it's from a, from a game show. Um, but I, I I like playing games with our our guests. I think it, it's a fun right. way. It's, it's a fun way to end the show. You ready for another round of Gold Case? <laughs> Five. Okay, here we go. Are you two ready? Ready. Okay. You ready, Matt? Yeah, sure. Okay, sure. <laughs> I was go. born ready. Five, four, three, two, one. Okay, this guy has sold um, monorails from everywhere from Ogdenvale to East Haverbrook. <laughs> what? <laughs> this is a joke. <laughs> no, skip it. Skip it. Skip it. Okay. Uh, there's a frog and a pig. And the Muppet movie? Yes. yes. Okay. Um, somebody once told me, "Hey, now you're an all star." Smash, Smash <laughs> Wait, wait, what? <laughs> is this is, is this is supposed to be movies, right? It's yeah. a movie. It's a song from the movie. Somebody once told me that's a Smash Mouth song, but I don't know. <laughs> oh no! We only know the memes. Waffles. In the morning, I'm making waffles. I don't even know oh, that uh, one. Shrek. Shrek. There you okay. go. <laughs> Okay, um, I have nothing. I, I don't know what this movie is, but uh, it's another word for being grossed out. Uh, it's a horror movie. Yeah, Black and white. Uh, repulsion. Yes. There you go. And time's yeah. up. Ah, oh, damn it. Okay. What was the last one out of curiosity? Uh, it was going to be Cliffhanger. <laughs> oh, that might have been a tough the one. The first one was The Music Man. Oh, I've never seen it. Okay, okay, so I would have never gotten that. All right. so I was just going with the Simpsons parody. Yeah, that was well, a bit that was a bit too obtuse of you, Matt. <laughs> so, <laughs> more that elitism. Assuming I've seen all the Simpsons. I'm build East Haverbrook. <laughs> oh boy. Oh jeez. Hey, that was a good game. Um, <laughs> yeah. The uh, the the listener won't know this because it'll just be like a split second. But uh, the call dropped, and then now Matt is is uh, he's here, but he's on his phone. Uh, yes. Yes. Um, but we we just have enough time uh, to finish the show with our regular segment, plugs. Okay. I like this segment. <laughs> Everybody loves it. It's their favorite segment. Plugs. Is it? <laughs> Anya, it's been it's been great. Oh, it, w- it was a pleasure having you on. Uh, before we go, plugs. Where can the people listening find you online? Right, so the best place to find me online is on Twitter. That's where I, I tweet all my film Twittery shenanigans. No elitism from me, I'll note. <laughs> uh, except yeah. that I am an unapologetic Halloween 6 fan, and oh. I will tolerate no slander against that film on my timeline. But uh, you can find me at Bookish Plinko on Twitter. Bookish as in someone who likes books, and Plinko as in the uh, the Price is Right game. Ooh, yes. Oh, little, yeah. yeah, that game. And my work, my writing can be found all at AnyaWrites.com. That's Tanya without the T, writes as in writing.com. There you go. That's it. Highly recommend people listening follow her, you, Anya, because it's, yeah, it's, it's, it's always a delight seeing your tweets. You're one of my favorites, for sure. Thank Uh, you. Matt, hey, what about you? 
Well, as usual, you can find me on the Twitters at the Real Matt C, uh, where I try not to be elitist. <laughs> and I'm also a big fan of Halloween Six. High five through the internet for that one. And you can also find me on Letterboxd at the same name to see if I'm lying about what movies I've been watching. And over at Talk Film Society, where you can read Screams from the Crypt, my horror column, where I talk about horror movies, and it's a lot of fun. Yes, absolutely. Um, as for me, hey, you can find me on Twitter at Marcelo J. Pico. You can find me over at Talk Film Society, where I'm editor-in-chiefing over there. That's you. That's a word. Uh, and uh, listen to all my other podcasts. Listen to, hey, I just released the 200th episode of our little podcast network, where I've done so many podcasts over the last like two and a half years. 200. 200, <laughs> to be exact, 200. That, that includes... The Hamilton podcast I did, the Die Hard podcast, that includes all these episodes of Hey What You're Watching. That also includes the Sullerberg podcast, which is coming to a close pretty soon. We're on episode 24, I think. Just have four more to go, lead, uh, leading up to Logan Lucky. And yeah, listen to all that, read all that, follow all that, and uh, yeah, that's that's me. That's the show. Anya, thanks once again for being on. Thank you for having me. I had a good time. Yeah, yeah thank you so much. Love to have you back. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. And Matt, it was a it was a joy as always. Isn't it? So, <laughs> isn't it? Oh boy. I don't uh, fall asleep during uh, Dunkirk. I know it's not three hours, but I really <laughs> stay awake for the, uh, the hour and forty minutes. See, I, it, it, it's a good thing I can barely hear you, and the call is just it's just static at this point. Um, Good. <laughs> so I, I can't hear the shade you're throwing at me. Um, but before we go, Matt, let's give the fine listeners uh, our signature catchphrase. So long, and thanks for all the fish. Thanks for listening, folks, and keep on watching. Oh, yeah, that one. It's, it's a, a bit. bit.